Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Browns fans to this Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host this afternoon. Thank you for stopping by as the night time comes earlier thanks to daylight savings time. Gotta wonder if that one extra hour of sleep this weekend is worth the fact that it is not gonna be light very late after work and so we'll look at a time of uh, sunset around six o'clock every night for the next I don't know, way too many months. The opening uh, kind of musical intro is a Linkin Park song called Numb. And for me, it seemed like the best song to describe yesterday. Sunday's loss to the Dallas Cowboys, a pitiful 35-10 to 10 loss, has me numb. How about you, Browns fans? I know many of you, like me, expected a, a pretty poor season from our team. We knew that kind of in January, that this was not going to be a team to be reckoned with this year. But I'm not sure we all expected 0-16 to be a very realistic possibility. I know I did. But for me, as you know in listening to this podcast, for me it's all been about how the team plays. Yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys, the team played like crap. The team didn't play like a team that was developing young players or had a lot of heart, something that we've seen in the past few weeks, they played like a team that had sort of given up. Early in the game, before Cameron Irving uh, got thrown out for pulling the helmet off of the Dallas Cowboys defensive lineman, also named Irving, no relation or spelled the same, the Browns actually looked pretty good. And then they got their butt kicked. Now, does that mean if Cameron Irving doesn't get thrown out, the team wins the game? No. Does it mean the defense somehow doesn't give up a whole lot of yardage and points? No, but it would give the Browns a little bit of a better opportunity to play better on offense. Alvin Bailey, who uh, came in because of Irving being ejected, John Greco sliding over to center, got run over time and time again. And the Browns defense couldn't keep the Cowboys off the field. And so what we predicted going into the game, which was that the Browns would try to load up to stop the run, just didn't work. Even though they were able to limit Des Bryant in the passing game, Jason Witten was open time and time again. Receivers were getting the ball with three, four, and five yards between them and the next closest Browns player. All in all, a very pathetic showing by the Cleveland Browns. One area that you know that I've focused on very often is time of possession. Get this from yesterday. 
the Dallas Cowboys possessed the ball for 39 minutes and 39 seconds. You heard me right, 39 minutes and 39 seconds in a 60-minute game. Those of you who are quick with math know that means the Browns had the ball for 20 minutes and 21 seconds. Almost exactly half the time that the Cowboys had the ball. If you even that out just a little bit, I think we could have seen a closer game. But we look at the yardage, net total yardage, 423 for the Cowboys, 222 for the Browns. It's just not good enough. Uh, Dak Prescott in their passing game threw for 255. The Browns threw for 177. All in all, just not good enough. Again, probably going to hear a theme here. Though Cody Kessler, just to make sure we use the official numbers, Kessler is credited for 203 yards. Prescott was credited for 247. In the run game, the Browns, we'll make sure we hear this, the Browns had a total of 13 rushing attempts. Again, 13 rushing attempts for the Browns. Now, you'd say, hey, Jared, the Browns lost 35-10. to 10. Of course, they're going to have to throw the ball. Sure, but the Browns weren't down 35-10 to 10 this whole game. The Browns were actually in a good position going into the second quarter until they gave up four straight touchdowns. Four. Between the beginning of the second quarter and the... Uh, end of the third quarter, the Browns gave up four straight touchdowns. That is a crazy amount of points for the Browns to give up, especially given the fact that Andrew Hawkins should have pulled in a touchdown, didn't. The Browns missed a field goal. Again, just shooting themselves in the foot. But it doesn't matter when you can't keep the other team off the field. The Browns had 13 rushing attempts. Ezekiel Elliott by himself had 18. But if that's not enough, Alfred Morris by himself had 17. So combined 35 rushing attempts. Hugh Jackson went away from the run far too early. Duke Johnson, five carries, 30 yards. Again, nothing huge. Isaiah Crowell looked like the tentative self that we saw as a rookie. Six attempts for four yards. Again, for players like Crowell, uh, the, the kind of the bell cow back, that they want him to be. He needs his carries to get into rhythm. Now, Crowell did make some plays in the past game, caught four balls on four targets, 63 yards with that long 44-yarder early in the game. But again, it just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough offense to fight off four straight touchdowns between the beginning of the second quarter and the end of the third quarter. It wasn't there. And so for a Browns team that really wants to develop its young, young players, Cody Kessler, 19 attempt, or 19 completions on 27 attempts. Not bad, right? He had a 104.4 rating. On the other hand, Prescott, 21 completions on 27 attempts, 247 and three touchdowns. And again, it helps when Jason Witten has no one around him. He was targeted 10 times, had eight catches, 134 yards, and one touchdown. Cole Beasley, six for six, 56 yards and a touchdown. Des Bryant really did get shut down. He was targeted four, only four times with one reception and 19 yards. But again, when you're not guarding some of the other guys, when there's no one around Beasley and Witten, I guess Des isn't going to get the ball. And the Cowboys have to be okay with that. Whether Des is or not is a different discussion. For the Browns, it begins and ends with the defensive side of the ball. The offensive line has not looked great. But Elvin Bailey shows that 
Cam Irving may be somebody who we want to play. He might be better than you think. Not saying he's great. But the defensive side of the ball did nothing to slow down the Dallas Cowboys. It was as if they were playing pitch and catch all day long. Jamie Collins played every snap along with Christian Kirksey. And while he made some good plays, looked like he was shot out of a cannon on a loss, uh, or a, a run loss, he looked out of place, wasn't ready, makes sense. The rest of the defense, there's no excuse. Joe Hayden only had two tackles, was shadowing Des Bryant all game. Maybe he even gets a pass, even though he wasn't always on Des. But the rest of the team, there was no one around these receivers. How can a Browns team that has struggled against both the run and the pass not try to stop one of those things and not put themselves in a position to at least look formidable one way or another? Either sell out against the run or sell out against the pass, but do something to show that you at least have a clue what you're supposed to do. Yesterday was the, was the perfect combination of bad talents and bad scheme. Now, some people are on the fire Ray Horton train. Hugh Jackson today made it very clear that wasn't even an option. But there are people who say it doesn't matter how talented the players are if, if uh, Ray Horton's defense doesn't put them in a position to succeed. For them, I would agree. There are others that just say there's not enough talent on the defense and so no scheme could succeed. I agree with that to some extent, but when you're talking about Emmanuel Agba, when you're talking about Jamie Collins, when you're talking about Christian Kirksey, Joe Hayden, Danny Shelton, Carl Nassib, there is talent on that defense. Shouldn't be giving up 35 points in almost 40 minutes time of possession. That should not happen when you knew the Dallas Cowboys were going to want to run the ball. When you knew Dak Prescott loves to be with the comfort level of Cole Beasley and Jason Witten, it doesn't work. You can't use the excuses anymore. So there were times where the scheme looked terrible. There were times, like the touchdown pass, where both uh, Joe Hayden and Tremont Williams went to the same inside guy that you could say it was it was the players. But either way... There's nothing this offense could have done with the Dallas Cowboys possessing the ball for that long. Nothing. Tom Brady would have struggled because the defense was that bad. So, numb? Yeah, I'm a little bit numb. I'm also a little bit frustrated. I'm not frustrated by the loss. I want to be really clear. I want to be really consistent. I am not frustrated by the loss. The Browns, I expected them to lose this year. They expected to lose. That's not the problem. The problem is how they lost. It's a consistency issue. Hugh Jackson has created a stubbornness about throwing the ball, even as he's consistently said he wants to be a power-running team. He has consistently gone away from the run far too often, even when the team has had a lead, which makes no sense at all. You want to bleed clock. You want to keep your terrible defense off the field, and instead... You throw the ball. You throw the ball. You throw the ball. You throw the ball. 27 attempts for Cody Kessler. That's double the amount of rushing attempts that the Browns had. You look at Dak Prescott. Again, 27 attempts. Exactly the same. Completed two more passes. But he, the running game, the 40-some runs that that Dallas had, kept them, kept them having the ball. Kept them possessing the ball enough that when they threw, 
people were open because there was a run game to worry about. Well, there's not a run game to worry about when they assume the team's going to pass. Pass rushers can just kind of pin their ears back, and then they can play zone and different exotic man coverages in the back and make it very difficult for Cody Kessler to find anything down the field and make him kind of dink and dunk his way. Yesterday, the Browns combined to make me both numb and frustrated. How about you, Browns fans? It's a good time to remind you that this Locked On Browns podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. And you know me, I'm all about value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere. I can be at work, I can be on the road, not driving, of course. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on the value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code, and then add my promo code, LOBROWNS. Again, go to download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and add a promo code, and enter my promo code, LOBROWNS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code LOBROWNS. So with all that said, with a struggling, struggling game uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, the Cleveland Browns still have seven games remaining. And if you are to believe pretty much everything we've seen so far, the Browns have seven losses remaining on their schedule. That's tough to say as kind of a, the optimist, right? But in just a couple days, the Browns face off with the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football. They're going to Baltimore. And what we know about Thursday Night Football, the home team has a decided advantage. I'm not sure what Vegas's line is for this game or all Thursday Night games, but it seems like there should be at least a good three to seven point advantage. Uh, again, three points is normally the advantage that Vegas gives the home team. I would say it's closer to seven on these Thursday night games, even though the trip from Baltimore to Cleveland, I'm sorry, from Cleveland to Baltimore, isn't that far. It's going to be a tough game. And then you look at the rest of the schedule, Pittsburgh, New York, Cincinnati again, Buffalo, who has been fine, the Chargers, and then the Steelers. You're not looking at an easy game among any of those. I won't be bothered by 0-16. What I will be bothered by is a statement made today, and I haven't been, been able to find the exact quote from Hugh Jackson, but Jackson made a statement today that has been grabbed of a hold of by some of the local media, who I don't always agree with, as well as a ton of fans. And it is a statement about quarterback wins. If you follow me on Twitter and a lot of other people, that is always spelled out W-I-N-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z. That's because 
the idea that the win-loss record of a team should be tagged onto a quarterback is darn near ridiculous. Unfortunately, the statement that Hugh Jackson made today about Cody Kessler required and needing to lead the Browns to a victory just fuels that fire. Again, I don't think Tom Brady leads that Browns team. If you just take Cody Kessler off the team and insert Tom Brady and and give him some time to work with the team and all that jazz, I don't think Tom Brady leads that team to a victory yesterday. And that's given the fact that the Browns' offensive line didn't play very well, but they have some weapons in Pryor and Coleman and Barnage and Duke and Isaiah Crowell. And there's there's some weapons that Tom Brady could work with. But with that defense, with Andrew Hawkins dropping a touchdown pass, with a special teams that really doesn't do much of anything, I don't think Tom Brady leads the Browns to a victory yesterday with only 20 minutes time of possession. Now, you could say, well, with Tom Brady, they're going to have more time of possession. Great. How? The run game did nothing. Kessler completed a good percentage of his of his balls for over 200 yards. So where is this ton of time of possession going to come from? And again, how is that going to stop the Dallas Cowboys from scoring four straight touchdowns between the start of the first quarter till the end of the third quarter. So uh, this will be the first time really you'll hear me and uh, well, he doesn't actually care, but me kind of disagree with Hugh Jackson. Now I think he has struggled with some of his play calling. I think he gets a little too pass happy. I think he gets a little too worried about his offensive line. And so uh, he doesn't run the ball as consistently as I think he wants to and that he stated and that I would love him to. But the fact that today he put, at some level, the blame on Cody Kessler and fueled the fire for people who believe that the win-loss record of a team should be put right next to the quarterback infuriates me. It infuriates me as much as watching some of the local media, specifically Tony Grossi, say that the team is terrible and hasn't done anything well and this new regime hasn't done anything well. Are you freaking kidding me? Yes, the Browns lost another game. Yes, they did not look good against a Dallas Cowboy team that has one loss. The opponent matters in the NFL. Against the New York Jets, the Browns look pretty good. They look competitive. Against the Bengals for most of the first half, they looked good. They looked competitive. Against the Tennessee Titans, again, good and competitive. Against Washington, competitive. Miami competitive. The Ravens dominated them in the first half, but they lost all of those games, and somehow that's on Cody Kessler. Somehow this Browns regime hasn't done anything good. Corey Coleman, the development of Terrell Pryor, Emmanuel Agba coming on, Carl Nassib looking pretty good. Haven't done anything well? It's a ridiculous statement. Hugh Jackson has made the offense look decent to good at times with limited opportunities with six different quarterbacks. This regime has torn it down to the studs and maybe even more. They deserve, and I mean this, they deserve the benefit of the doubt through the end of next season. At that point, you can start to doubt them if you don't see progress. 
as frustrated as I was at the beginning of this podcast and still am about how yesterday went where I'm numb and angry. It's because I've seen so much out of this team that I think they can be competitive at some point in time, that they should have looked better than 35-10 yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys, even though the Cowboys are a very good team. It's because of what the regime has done that I had high hopes and that I am frustrated. But for Hugh Jackson to say that Cody Kessler is is responsible for the wins and losses, again, I haven't got the exact quote yet, but again, that's how it's kind of come across to both media and fans and fed this stupid fire of quarterback wins. The fact that uh, some local media think it's okay to attack this regime just because of the record, when most of us looking at this team at the start of the year would have said, yep, this team could have go 0-16 and it wouldn't shock us. And yet now we're somehow surprised that they're 0-9. It's dumb. It's not intelligent way of thinking. So here we are. We are a Lockdown Browns podcast, and we are dedicated to continuing to see this team and this thing through. My hope, my dream is that this regime gets three to four full seasons before they're truly judged. Three to four full seasons, not nine games. If these nine games have told you all you need to know, you haven't followed football close enough. You don't care enough, or you just like watching things burn. Not me. So get a hold of me on Twitter, at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why this regime is done, it's stupid, it's made all its mistakes. Tell me why quarterback wins should matter. Bring it to me. In the end, yes, wins and losses are all that matter. But that goes on a team Browns are 0-9. Dak Prescott is not 7-1. The Cowboys are 7-1. Because records are a team statistic. Thanks for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast. Again, get a hold of me on Twitter if you'd like to. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Looking forward to Monday Night Football and all of the rest. Again, thank you for stopping by. And go Browns. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.